Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Jumping in the word of the Lord this morning. First Peter chapter one, if you have your Bibles. Good job. If not, we'll throw it up on the screen for you this morning for your reading. First Peter chapter one. And I would like to begin reading in verse number 13. I've had a, uh, just a historic weekend, 35 years old, and I figured out how to correctly use the clips that the Christmas lights set in. Years, Mallory has been like, I want them to be straight. Like, I want them to be perfectly straight. And I'm like, this is as good as it gets. I don't see any other way. Little did I know that you take the clip and you break it, and then you put it in this hole on the side, and then your bulb set... 35 years old, figuring this out now, but the house looks phenomenal, and uh, I might even enter the Christmas lights contest this year. I have no idea. No, I'm just kidding. I'm probably not going to take it that far, but I've had a historic weekend, and it's been good, and I'm looking forward to topping it off with an incredible Sunday with the people that I love so much. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 13, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ, when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy." Amen. I just want to talk to you for the next little bit from this title, Fish Out of Water. Fish Out of Water. And the Lord bless you. You may be seated this morning. You ever hear uh, people quote Scripture that is not actually scripture? <laughs> well, the Bible says, I'm pretty sure it doesn't say that. Um, I remember uh, uh, hearing a few growing up, and still today you hear some from time to time, but I remember hearing this one growing up cleanliness is next to godliness. Sure, the Old Testament contains lots of rules about ritual cleanliness, but this biblical-sounding proverb is actually not found in the Scripture. And But, I mean, if it gets the job done of your kids getting in the bathtub at night, go ahead and use it. Just don't say it's in the Bible. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Here's another one. God works in mysterious ways. Anybody ever heard that one before? Well, the Bible says God works. It's one of those truish statements uh, because, uh, yes, Scripture is full of God doing things in unusual ways, unusual ways to us, but this is not actually a verse in the Bible. Amen. I hope everybody's like, yeah, some of them like, I better stop saying that. Like, you know. No, yes, God does work in mysterious ways. It's just not a scripture. Here's another one. Be in the world, but not of the world. 
this will probably rock some people's world because they're like, what? There are parts of the sentiment expressed of this, of this saying here. There are parts of it, of the, of the sentiment that are expressed in various places in the Bible, but just not a word for word uh, as a verse in Scripture. Yes, we are to be in the world, but not of the world, but that is actually not a verse found in the Bible. Here's another one. God will not give you more than you can handle. Not in the Scripture. Now, this is a result of some uh, presumably well-meaning person trying to, uh, to sum up 1 Corinthians 10 as a way of maybe comforting a person who's going through a trial, but that's not what that verse or any other verse in the Bible teaches. You find countless cases where someone faced something that they couldn't handle, but God could and did, and that was the point including Paul's words to the Corinthians where he tells them God will provide a way of escape from temptation. If we could handle everything that came our way, we could take care of the sin problem. But we couldn't and we can't, and that's why we needed and still do today, we still need Jesus to help us out with that. Here's another one. God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> well, the Bible says God helped. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Sorry, but you're not going to find that in the Bible. In fact, you would find the exact opposite. Romans chapter 5 says that while we were still sinners and unable to help ourselves, Christ died for us proving not only how much he loves us, but proving also how incapable we are of helping ourselves. Amen. So this morning, I want to talk about what may be the most popular misbelief about God in our Western version of Christianity, and that is this that people believe that the Bible says that God wants you to be happy. Everybody say happy. Happy. That God, well, the Scripture says that God wants me to be happy. I would love with all of my heart to be able to stand here and tell you above all else that God wants you to be happy. That above all else, God wants you to enjoy your life. Above all else, God uh, only wants good things to happen in your life, and God never wants anything bad to happen in your life because for you, the bottom line is God wants you to be happy. You see, this is one of the big cultural mistakes and what, what people believe about God. They believe that above all else, God wants me to be happy, that God is concerned about my happiness. Here's the problem. If you believe that, it starts you down this road of other misbeliefs, all right? If you believe that God's supreme goal for you is happiness, here's what you'll eventually start to do. Number one, you believe that if God wants me to be happy above all else, then whatever makes me happy must be right. And whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. 
That's number one. Number two, we start to believe that things like discomfort and delay and risk and uh, suffering and inconveniences and obstacles, they can't possibly be God's will because those things don't make me happy. (laughs) Number three, without knowing it, we begin to worship the false gods of this world. I'm talking about comfort. I'm talking about money. I'm talking about pleasure and things. Here's the problem. When we believe that above all else, God wants us to be happy, suddenly we are forced to believe that God exists to serve us. We believe that. We have to understand this morning, I don't want you to miss this. God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve him. We exist. If God is there to make me happy, suddenly I have reduced the creator of the entire universe, the sustainer of the universe. I have reduced him down to this cosmic vending machine, this cosmic soda machine that, 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 that basically if I put my money in and I press the button, I've done my part contractually, the machine must give me exactly what I asked for because I did what I was supposed to do. Literally, without knowing it, this is what we do. We reduce God down to some kind of formula, some kind of machine. God, I said my prayers. God, I went to church. God, I prayed. God, I read my Bible. Therefore, my headache should go away. Therefore, I should get the job. Therefore, my family should be blessed. I should be able to get the dream house because I put money down and I pressed the button. Therefore, God, you should do what I want you to do. Here is the tragedy of this misbelief. So many people, hear me, end up walking away from God for all the wrong reasons. You know what it is? Misbelief. Wrong beliefs. Not truly understanding. They'll say things like, well, I tried church and it didn't make me any happier. I tried religion and it didn't make me, it didn't work. I tried the God thing. I read my Bible and I'm still sick. I prayed and I'm still dealing with this. Uh, My kids are still in rebellion. Uh, I'm still not any better off financially. I tried the religion thing, Bryce, and it just didn't work. Because if you believe that God exists to make you happy, and then when you're not happy, it forces you to believe that God failed. But God didn't fail. God's never failed. We just started out with the wrong preconception, which led us into a very dangerous place. I will tell you right now, I do believe that God delights in your happiness. I do believe that. That, 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 that when you're happy, I believe it brings him joy, just as any parent is delighted when a child has joy or when a child has happiness. Easton and now Bennett and I'm soon, soon Reddick will be out there and I'm sure they'll be out 
in summer league playing baseball. And whenever they get a hit, I'm going to be, they're going to be running around the bases and they're going to be excited. I'm going to be the dad on the sideline that's got the camera doing the shaky video because I'm jumping up and down and I'm excited. I am happy that he is happy. But his happiness is not my highest priority. For example, if my son has the winning hit in the baseball game and he's running around the bases like cheering like, yeah, I I, I just won the game. And then he goes over and does something unsportsmanlike to the other team to kind of rub it in their face just a little bit. Suddenly his happiness is not my highest priority. Does that make sense? Yet many of us treat God like, hey, He should be happy for us no matter what. He should be happy with us no matter what happens. Listen, God does not want us to pursue happiness. God wants us to pursue Him. We don't pursue Him for the byproduct of happiness. We're not pursuing Him, therefore He'll give us what we want. We're pursuing Him for who He is and that alone. If you pursue God to be happy, you're, you're, you're going to find out real quickly because not everything makes you happy. Not everything is just hunky-dory. Today, I really want to dispel one of the biggest and most dangerous cultural myths about God. Here's a couple specific reasons why God doesn't want you happy. It sounds kind of odd to say, right? Like, man, here's a couple reasons. God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or something sinful. So many people do something that they believe is going to make them happy, like we're going to enjoy this, this is going to be great, yet it's wrong or it's unwise. This is, this is going to be fun. This is, this, is like, this is going to be fun, and this is going to make me happy. It may make you happy for a little while. We talked a few weeks ago about how sin can be fun, right? Sin can be fun. Don't get holy on me all of a sudden. Like, don't get churchy. Sin can be fun for a season. The Bible talks about there is a way that seems right, all right? It's going to seem right, and it's going to feel right, and it's going to feel good, and it's going to make you happy, but in the end, it leads to death if it's sin. Here's the fundamental problem that so many people believe. Scripture teaches us to be holy, but many people translate it this way, 1 Peter 1 and 15, but just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all you do. But that's not what it says, is it? But yet, practically, that's how so many of us want to live. The Bible teaches us that just as God who called you is holy, we're to be holy and set apart in all that we do. 
Yet when we believe above all else that God wants us to be happy, then we end up doing things that are wrong or unwise in the pursuit of what is going to make us happy. But God's highest calling on your life is not your happiness. God wants us to be holy in all that we do. Set apart in all that we do. Yet so many of us, when we wrongly believe that above all else, God wants us to be happy, then that belief system empowers us to do what actually is wrong, and then we end up justifying it in our minds. It happens all the time. I could could give you list upon list of how this plays out in your life. Listen, God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something wrong or sinful or something that is not wise. For example, you decide you want to eat a cake. Notice I didn't say a piece of cake. I'm talking about cake, the whole cake, and nothing but the cake. You're like, this is going to make me happy if I have the whole cake, if I eat this whole cake. But what would that be? That would be wrong, and that would be unwise, right? And so, yet we do it sometimes because that's what's going to make us happy. Or how about this one? You hate your job. You hate your job. You can't stand your job. You've got kids at home and you're trying to provide for them and maybe they're small young kids or maybe they're in high school. You really need this job, but oh, it would feel so good to walk in the boss's office so you take this job and you do, 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 do. And, And all of a sudden, we... That would make us happy, right? Yeah. (laughs) You can laugh. It's okay. We're having fun this morning. Amen. That would make me happy, and people do it all the time. Here's what's amazing to me. I, I see people quit their job before they have another one lined up. Man, your LinkedIn must be loaded right now or something like that. Like, I don't know what's going on, but people just quit their job and they don't have another one lined up. Why? Because their job makes them unhappy. God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do unwise things, when it causes you to do foolish things. The second thing that God doesn't want you uh, happy is when it's only based on the things of this world. He doesn't want us to be happy when it's only based on the things of this world. If if you watch any advertising at all, any advertising, it is stunning what you need right now to be happy, especially this time of year. I'm like struggling for gifts. Like, man, I try to be creative. I'm trying to find something. I'm like, what is what can I get him? What can I get her? What can I find? And trust me, the advertisers are aware of it, that people are struggling, and they're just like, oh, here's creative gift. Oh, there's creative, creative after creative. Oh, they need this, and they need that. It's stunning, if you look at advertising right now, what they're telling you that you need in order to be happy. They're saying, okay, here's the formula. 
here's the here's the here's the algorithm. We'll build it into your Facebook and as you're scrolling, and, and this is gonna tell you what 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 we need. Basically, it's saying you need better possessions, you need newer, faster, stronger, shinier, bigger, whatever. Plus, you need peaceful circumstances, you need the absence of all conflict, plus thrilling expenses, you need the perfect vacation, you need the, the fun experience, you need the big hit, the big thrill, plus the right relationship. If they're not right, you can move her out and get a new one. You can get all of this stuff. For $19.99 plus shipping and handling. If you need a new appearance, it doesn't matter. You could tuck it, lift it, puff it, smooth it, shave it, whatever. You can do all of this stuff because it's going to make you happy. If you have all of these things, better possessions, peaceful circumstances, thrilling experiences, the right relationship, the perfect appearance, they're telling us that that equals what? Happiness. If you have all of that, you're set, man. You're happy. The problem is all of these things are based upon happenings. And the last time I checked, happenings do what? Change. They change. They change. That's why no one is really happy all the time in the things of this world because they are simply counterfeits. They do not last. They're, 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 they're not the real thing. It's like when I go to the grocery store sometimes and Mallory sends me to buy one thing and anytime a man goes to the grocery store, there's, there's two rules. Number one, you have to get the wrong thing and number two, you have to get something that is not on the list. We have to get something that is not on the list. Why? Because we're hunters. That's what men do. We're hunters. We hunt. Man, I went and, and I crack up at myself when I go to the grocery store because I come home with the most random things and I forget the one thing that I went there to get. Now I have to have another trip and a whole other experience of finding something new and bringing it home. I found the coolest the other day. What was it? Uh, I, I somehow wound up in the camping section. Do I look like a camper? I'm walking through the camping section. Like, this stuff is amazing. This is so manly. Look at this stuff. Oh, man, I was like, oh, like breathing heavy, like walking out of that aisle. So what did I buy? The most manly thing in the aisle, I bought these s'more roasting sticks. Like they're like, they're extendable, and yet you can rotate on the handle the marshmallow and stuff. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> this is exactly... This is exactly what the world does. If you, if you get this, if you buy this, if you have this, and if you trade this in, if you get this, then you'll be happy. Then you'll be set, yet you're still not happy because God doesn't want you to be happy when you do foolish and unwise things, 
and when your happiness is based upon the things of this world. In fact, I love what John says. It's so pointed and direct. He says this in 1 John 2. Listen to this. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Hmm. Then he goes on. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires, they pass away. They're gone. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. That phrase, they pass away, that's a nice way of saying the world dies. That's what it's saying. Everything in the world dies. It passes away. Listen, God does not want you above all else to be happy when it causes you to go the wrong direction, to do the wrong thing. And he doesn't want us happy when it's based upon the things of this world. Above all else, God's highest calling for you is not those things because I'm going to argue with all of my heart that God doesn't want you happy as much as he wants you blessed. He doesn't want you nearly as happy as much as he wants you and I to be blessed. Amen. God has something far greater than your happiness. God wants you to be blessed. Happiness is based upon happenings, but blessed life is based upon his goodness and his presence. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, the Greek word that's translated as the word blessed is the word makarios. It means this. It means supremely blessed. Supremely blessed. Or it can literally be translated more than happy. God wants you to be more than happy. The problem is, if I tell you that God wants you blessed, most people equate that to mean something like, oh, my kids won't fight anymore. <laughs> I'm going to get the promotion on the job. Most people equate it to things like, my car's never going to break down. I've been in this man's vehicle for how many days now? Like three, using up all his gas, haven't even replenished it yet. I promise I'm going to do that. Like, Timing just hasn't worked out, but <laughs> checks in the mail. I put it in the mail. We equate the blessed life to a pain-free life, a problem-free life, a mountain-free life, a trial-free life. But we know and we should know that these things, there are things in this life they just simply happen. Your kids fight. Your car breaks down. Your plumbing's going to leak. Your roof's going to leak. Things are going to happen. Bless. What is it? What it means is you will experience the goodness of God in the middle of some of the most difficult things in your life. You can experience the goodness of God. Your happiness and blessings are not based upon the perfect, pain-free life. God never promises that. Never. Not one time. In fact, he said this, in the world, you will have trouble. You want to see a promise? There's a promise. 
But then he goes on, but take heart, I have overcome this world. The problem, church, is that a lot of times we're looking for the pain-free, perfect life, and if we don't have it, then we start to blame God when the reality is God wants to be active in our pain-filled life. Because God understands that this world is fractured. It's been broken since Genesis 3. God understands that we live in a sinful society. Just because you're blessed doesn't mean you're not going to have trials. It doesn't mean that you're not going to feel weak. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be storms in your life. Blessed life means that in the middle of the storms, you could have a blessing. And what is that blessing, Bryce? It's the supernatural peace of God that goes beyond our human ability to ever understand or even comprehend. And that peace can guard your heart. It can guard your mind and your soul in Christ Jesus. Some of you even today are in the middle of a storm, and in a moment, I believe that the peace of God can move into your hearts and you suddenly recognize I trust him. I, I, I trust him in the middle of all of this. You can be in the middle of a trial. You never choose what you're going through right now. You feel like you don't even have what it takes to go on. And yet for some reason, in the presence of God, you can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what the Bible calls it. And this joy that wells up from deep within inside your soul and people are like, how do you have that right now? It only comes from God. This joy only comes from God. And those who are mature in this, those that have been in this for a while, you recognize that you can actually rejoice in your sufferings and in your trials. You can rejoice, my friend. You can come and you can dance and you can worship before the Lord because you understand it's not about what's happening. It's about Him who sits on the throne and He's still in control of it all. He's not changed. Because you know that these things are developing perseverance in you. And perseverance must finish its work so you can be mature and complete in Christ, lacking nothing, lacking anything. You've been through enough trials that you recognize I'd never choose them again, but a lot of you understand today that you are who you are today because God is conforming you into his image. When I walked through this, I, I knew him more intimately. I walked with him more faithfully. And I experienced the goodness of God in the way that I couldn't have had on a good day. But you found his goodness on a day that you would have never chosen. What is that? It's the blessings of God. It's the blessings of God. In fact, 30, Psalms 37, 4 David said this, as our music comes, he said that we are to delight in the Lord. 
Delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I love that word delight. Delight. It comes from the Hebrew word. The word is anog. And if you know anything about Hebrew words, Hebrew words, they're almost like story words. There's, there's depth and there's texture. There's deep meaning to what it is. This word, it means to delight. It means to enjoy. It carries with it this idea of being soft and, and pliable. In other words, as we seek God and as we enjoy God and seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. As we pursue God, and He is the object of our affection, as we're not pursuing happiness, but we're pursuing God, and, and, and as we're pursuing God, suddenly we enjoy His presence. What is that? We're delighting in Him. We're delighting in Him. And then He gives us not what? He doesn't say, I'll give you everything humanly you want. But He gives me the desires of my heart. What is that? He gives us His desires. Uh That's That's what it is. Our desires become His desires. Then, when we pray according to His will, He gives us what we pray for because we're praying specifically for His will. Suddenly, I'm I'm enjoying God. I'm soft. I'm pliable. I'm being conformed in His image. He is giving me the desire, His desires. And and then I'm not praying. It's not my will anymore, but it's thine be done. Suddenly, I'm living a blessed life. The blessed life. Not the perfect life not the pain-free life. Nah, something that is better than happiness. It's joy unspeakable. It's peace. It's his supernatural strength. When I am completely weak, it is a supernatural life. And suddenly his power, his presence, it begins to carry us through things that we could have never imagined we'd make it through on our own. That's a blessed life. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.